Hey everybody, it's Eric the Smooth Bear. And today I have uh, another fantastic guest, someone who um, I'm just I'm just super, super pumped that he agreed to do it and come on the show. Um, he is a uh, professional musician. He's a professional uh, and he works in video production as well. I, uh, I, I don't even know what he does in that role. Um, and he's just a, just a creative, funny, uh, super weird, very good looking guy. So I, I want to, um, I'm very excited to welcome on to the show, Jonathan Leamy. Introduction. Hello. Yo. Hey, hey buddy. There hey, my man, my man, it worked. So can you hear me clearly? I can, yeah, you're very clear, very clear. Okay, good, man. I can hear the nudeness as well. <clears throat> There's a lot of nudity happening. Yeah, it's uh, family nude nude time. You caught us right at the right time, man. We have the <laughs> wife and the kids. We all get nude and just hang around. Sure, I get it. I get it. I get it. It's good. It, uh, nice to get a little air up the up the old butt cheeks. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's refreshing, is what it is. <laughs> so, so uh, I guess I'll just tell you real quick. Uh, we're we're already live. So I mean, uh, this oh. is happening. This is it. This is what it's like. Um, oh wow! Okay, that's uh, yeah. Right, we in. jump into it. Yeah, <laughs> it's not live, but uh, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I can go back and edit things, but uh, you know, I probably won't. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Keep it raw, dude. I'm I'm gonna fire my publicist because she was supposed to tell me exactly like everything. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, well, fine. she yeah, she was she was not paying attention. That's the problem. No, that's the issue. <laughs> that's so, always um, the issue. So I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm thrilled to have you on, man. Um, I, uh, I I wanted to. Uh, you were one of the first people I thought of when I started doing this because um, I think that you're someone who uh, who has a lot of insight in this area. Um, so could you for for uh, could you could you do me a solid and tell everyone uh, who the hell are you? Like well, who are you and like what do you do? Well, my name's uh, Jonathan. My nickname's Jono, which was coined by you and a buddy of ours back in like 2005 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm a, a musician and audio producer, and um, I've had, I have a long background in music uh, dating back to the late 90s. And um, I, uh, you know, taught music for a decade at a... Uh, university here in orlando called full sail university it's in winter park yeah uh and then uh yeah so and then also during that time i was a full-time performer at times on multiple instruments and then i did audio production work as well and then now over the last couple of years ever since covid really i've switched careers and i'm a full-time photographer and videographer and aerial pilot for a um a media company here in orlando florida so I mean, you that 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 alone, like that um, that resume, you you've crossed a lot of uh, crossed over a lot of creative um, uh, creative hurdles. I would imagine <laughs> trying to trying to go from being a musician to to working in video and photography, and those are you know definitely different skill sets. Well, but, you um, know, there's actually a lot of similarities, and I can answer any questions you have about that. But one one thing that's helped me to ease my career for ease the transition of my career from music and audio production over to video and photography and video production has been so many of the similarities that I've been able to draw from the two different things. And it doesn't hurt that I have uh, 
that I went to UCF and I have a BA in radio and television production. So that helps a lot. Sure. Sure. You have some, you have learned, you're a little bit, a little bit learned on those yeah. things. You, you yeah. learned some of that shit before. Well, what I was going to say was to, to, I think, or I wonder um, that someone that anyone with this, this amount of creativity, somebody early on must've been supportive of your creative dreams and passions and I wondered, uh, who was that? How did you, how did you, who supported you following your dreams early on? Actually, I mean, it's kind of a cliche answer, but my mom and my, my brother who, who's passed away now, but, um, uh, my mom is still around and, uh, they were huge early supporters of my creativity. I started, I really seriously got into music when I was a freshman in high school and, um, I, I got into the marching band and I started playing, uh, trombone. And uh, I also, you know, started learning guitar and drums and uh, I just really kind of got into it. It, it kind of became my thing. And um, all through high school, the more and more I did it and the more seriously I took music um, and the more interested I got in it, I knew well before leaving high school, even I knew that I was never going to be uh, a guy that would work at a bank or something. You know? Yeah, yeah, I knew yeah, that, yeah. I, I definitely relate to that feeling. Like I could tell early on I was not. I was never going to be uh, living, doing the cubicle thing. That wasn't going to work. No. For me. Yeah, dude. No, I wasn't about to be in an office space, you know, set up ever. Yeah. Yeah. You were too cool for that, man. Too cool for that. I, I, uh, hey, you, you we like, were too early, cool early for on, that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, tell me about when is the first time. So when, when we first met, we were working in day jobs. We weren't, uh, we definitely weren't professional creatives at that time. Um, but eventually you landed, uh, somebody paid you to do that, to do something fun, something cool. I imagine it was music. What, what was your first time getting paid? And tell me about that experience. Man, you know, to be honest with you, I can't remember the first time I got paid really to do something. I can remember around the time that I started getting paid to do music and, and something creative. And, uh, it was shortly after college um, when I graduated from high school my mom continued to support me you know creatively and really wanted me to be a musician and continue to support that dream she was great with that she never expected me to do other stuff um, so shortly after college I finished college at Valencia before moving on to UCF it took me forever to finish college but anyways um, I started playing in a corporate band um, because uh, I played trombone and horn players were in high demand in Orlando at the time. And sure. uh, through a guy that I met at Valencia Community College in Orlando back in the early mid 2000s, I got hooked up with a, uh, a corporate band called the Malones here in town. And I, I was, I guess, about 1920. I started to make actual money playing music, not like, you know, gas money with your friend's local band, but I was yeah. getting real, real, real pay. You know, I was making yeah. two, $300 a gig on my own, just playing music. Um, and that was kind of the, that, that was kind of right around when I started to discover like, Oh, okay. You know what? You, you can do this and actually make a living at it and be creative and do what you love to do. Um, and so that kind of like set me up for the rest of my career. So were you always like, uh, were you always really jazzed on trombone? Because that, that seems like the choice to be really good at trombone feels like that was a really pivotal moment for you. Just, just kind of knowing your story. I mean, that got you in. I think you got to play with some pretty big 
bands right back then you got to uh, play trombone with some some big names am i right about that yeah yeah well back i mean i've known you for what almost 20 years but back then like yeah so i started playing you know music in a couple of different things the corporate band helped me get into uh more like a jazz scene and um so that led me to playing with jazz musicians like bill allred who's a famous jazz trombonist um once but more than anything i i ended up landing a gig with uh, a guy named sam rivers who had an orchestra yeah. here in orlando and so i was one of the youngest members of his orchestra and he uh he was he was a huge name in jazz because he was a part of the Miles Davis quintet, um, and uh, he was a saxophone player. He was then replaced by a really famous saxophone player called Wayne Shorter. Um, but anyways, he had a band here in Orlando for like twenty years, and wow. uh, I, I was able to get in with that. Uh, so I've always really been into jazz. And but just to reiterate something you said, or not to reiterate, but to correct something you said, I actually never chose to get good at the trombone. I never even wanted to play it. I thought it was dumb. I wanted to play the drums. Really? Um, yeah. It was It was my freshman year of high school that my band director, uh, I wanted to join marching band. I told him I want to be on the drum line. He said, well, we don't need drummers. We got plenty. What I need is trombone players. And uh, he basically shoved me into this instrument that I ended up developing a great you know, relationship with over the next 15 years. And, you know, yeah, I graduated from high school. Not only did I do the corporate stuff in the college and after college, um, after high school, but I also did original music with a punk band who I'm sure you remember well, 69 yeah, Fingers. Of course. Yeah. And my favorite. I it really got all my, my uh, skanking chops came from that, yeah. that era of following you around. I remember that you got a, you had a revelation about punk rock because you realized you could, you had to dance to it in half time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. exactly. It was a big, it was a big eye opener in my dance, in my dance, uh, in my in dancing dance life. Well, yeah. yeah, that was a cool experience because we got to play with a lot of, you know, we got to. I feel like a lot of guys like me have the the old story. Oh, we opened up for this band when I was young, and and I have that story too. We opened up, we played with really big name ska bands like yeah. uh, Suburban Legends, Less Than Jake uh things like that so it was it was a pretty cool experience and we got to travel around and I and you guys were good you guys were you guys had your own following in your own right i mean in my and at least in my memory it seemed like you i mean you opened for some big names but i felt like at some point you guys kind of became a big name at least in uh, Orlando. yeah i mean on a, on a local level i mean it was there was an underground scene back then that doesn't really exist as much today but there was an underground scene back then and I would say that we were popular on the underground ska scene and that's what got us enough popularity to open up for bands like less than Jake is, you know, and, and for, yeah. for guys in the band less than Jake to listen to our freaking album, like, because there was a, a scene where, you know, it, it was, a you know, we played the local bars, the local venues, the smaller clubs and in those smaller rooms, we could headline a show and draw a crowd um of course you know we never headlined something like house of blues or hard rock on our own but um we could we could we could work the smaller rooms pretty well at times so how how much how important was being in orlando to you like uh do you think do you think you would have had the same trajectory if you were in like you know i don't know arkansas or something like is no orlando way. yeah right i think orlando is huge like, huge dude i mean the the market in orlando First of all, there's there's a few things going for people in Orlando. In my it, it, creatives really have it nice in Orlando because 
obviously you have a huge amount of business here from the tourist industry. So on the performing end, you have a lot of clubs and venues in and around the tourist industry. And that's been my bread and butter as a performing musician now for a decade, you know, or yeah. more. It's It's been the tourist spots. I still have a gig. I play at the House of Blues every Sunday and I've been there uh, for the better part of seven years uh, with the exception of a break I took a couple of years ago. But uh, I've been playing regularly at that venue at Disney Springs. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, you have a lot of that. As, as far as a creative media person, my gosh, man. I mean, there's so yeah. many people to photograph. There's so many things to take video of. There's so many, I mean, I, you know, yeah. the, the field that I'm in now, the real estate market, Orlando is a huge booming market with a ton of ongoing diversity. We have the largest, you know, largest university in, in the country, I think now with UCF and mm -hmm. medical here. I mean, dude, it's just, yeah. Orlando is a boom town for sure. Well, that is a, uh, a fantastic segue to the next, uh, the next segment. Um, the next segment is called the meat and this is the end of the introduction. So I'll, uh, I'll text you a new, a new way to get in. I'm going to, we're going to close it. You can go uh, take a, take a whiz. If you want visit the whiz. Okay. Palace. <laughs> oh, okay. This is a whiz part of the show. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. But, but I do, I do ask that you remain nude for the remainder of the, of the program. Uh, that's I, would, I would, I wouldn't think anything else. Yeah. No all right. All right. Good, good. Yeah. That, that helps for me and for my imagination. All right. All right. I'll, uh, I'll text you. All right. All right. See ya. It's the meat. Made it back twice. That's good news. I, yeah, I always a little worried people will run away in this moment. Yeah, well, you know, I, uh, I, I like to try to stick to things. I like to I like to stay on the ship until it goes all the way down. You know? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the only way. That's the only way to have any fun. I think that, that's uh, that's good. That's uh, that's actually I, truly. I think that that might speak to your character a little bit. Uh, believe it or not, I mean, how you because I like to be a to really be a creative person to to do like uh, to do like media work of of any kind in your your job currently. I think you you do have to be able to um, to sometimes ride the ship down sometimes like everyone tells you that um it's a it's bad you know the whole way down you got you have to own your you have to know that you're right until until it gets all the way down you know and then yeah, sometimes you're right sometimes you make it you know sometimes you were right and the, the video looks great and everyone was a turd yeah i mean confidence is definitely a huge thing it's it's always a fine line i always tell people it's always a fine line between confidence and cockiness like you don't want to cross that line but You've got to have as much confidence as you can without feeling too down about yourself. But yeah, you know, which, so yeah. it's a constant Indeed. dichotomy. Indeed, uh, that that uh, that I think is a great uh, a great segue. So one of the one of the things so my, in my mind, the audience for this is people that are uh, just like we were back in the day, uh, working in restaurants and grinding, and uh, and just wishing that they had a, a cool, fun job like like you and I have. And so yeah. I wanted to. Um, I wanted to uh, I wanted to kind of talk through like um, some of the some of the deals that, that you that, some of the things that you kind of face as a creative person. Um, and one of one of them that I think as a musician that must have come up a lot is how do you deal with like like bar feedback, like feedback from like some dude at the bar, um, you know, giving you his his two cents on your performance. Uh, how do you how do you take that criticism? Oh, man, you know it's uh it gets better with time i have my wife and i have a tribute band and uh she's also an extremely creative talented person she's a singer and dancer and uh her and i 
create together constantly. And, um, you know, we have a tribute band and it's interesting because we've really grown this band uh, in an era of social media and in social media, in social media times, everyone's got a voice, everyone's got an opinion. And because of the anonymous nature of it, uh, people are much more likely to give you that opinion, whether it be good or good or bad. Um, So we've received a lot of just crappy comments, uh, derogatory things about us, about our band, about her. Um, You know, they, the way that I deal with it is this, I, it's difficult for me. I'll be honest, man. It's a, it's a constant struggle, dude. Even, you know, I've been doing it for a long time and I try to be confident and I try not to let it get to me. But when I'm, when I'm doing anything creative, whether it's, taking pictures, editing video, whatever it is, I have to say to myself, look, you're going to, there's some people you're going to please and there's some people you're not. Um, and I just try to let it roll off me. And when the, the, when the negative comments get to be a little bit too much, I, I really have to kind of zoom out of the entire situation. And when I do that, it's clear to me that those negative comments are far, far less than the positive ones and for every for every one crappy critique that is unjustified there are nine or ten positive glowing you know reviews or you know um yeah but on the other side of that uh, i can tell you a story actually my wife and i recently played a gig uh over at janice live over in st pete which is a great venue large venue and uh we work for an agency that books our band and has for the last four years. And um, we showed up to the gig. We played the best we could. And the agent was there. Mind you, this agent hasn't actually seen us live since like one of our earliest gigs almost four years ago. Yeah. And uh, he came up to me after the show and uh, he said, Hey, listen, man, you guys killed it musically. The band was incredible. You guys were tight. You know, Monica, that's my wife. Uh, she was great. She killed it as Debbie Harry. We, we were doing a Blondie tribute show. Yeah. Uh, he said her costume was great. She embodied Debbie Harry. I have no, no, no critiques about her, but he's like, can I be honest with you about one thing? I said, sure. Uh, he said the ma- the male costumes were horrible. He's like, you guys didn't have it together. You, you didn't, you didn't look the part. You weren't embodying the, the act that you were paying tribute to. And you looked, it looked like Debbie Harry up there, with guys dressed like a, you know, like they were from a nineties grunge band. And he's like, it's an easy fit, you know, and that, that, that kind of criticism is the stuff that enables you to grow. And, uh, you know, as they call it, constructive criticism, you know? Um, and from someone who maybe it sounds like, uh, want is trying to help to, you know, is coming from a good place. Sounds like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. He's our agent. I mean, yeah, of course. He wants yeah. us to be better so he can book us more and make more money. I mean, it's it's a mutually beneficial critique. So, um, you know, and, and those pills aren't always easy to swallow either. Um, right. in, my cur- in my current job, I work for a media company. Like I said, we do uh, primarily real estate uh, imaging. And uh, on, on my end, I do field videography, photography, and aerial stuff. And, you know, every now and again, um, I shoot a property or I do a photo shoot where the client's just not happy with it and uh, they don't like it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I look at it and I think to myself, well, that's the best I could do. But 
Yeah. Uh, the important thing is, man, you got to work through it. And I've been working really hard over the last few years to not let it affect me personally, because I just know that there are so many other factors involved in somebody's opinion of a creative, you know, yeah. uh, of a create of a creative project, you know, as yeah. long as the technique and the fundamentals of whatever it is that you're being creative about are there. You know, if it's photography, as long as your composition and your lighting right. and everything else is okay, as long as if it's video, as long as your cuts make somewhat sense and your composition makes sense and the shots are in focus, you know, that's all you can do. The rest is going to be subjective. So people, some people yeah. are gonna like it, some people are not. So you can't let it get to you. Yeah. And it's like, uh, actually, you know, when I was, so, you know, for a little while I was a musician, nowhere to the level of you, but I, I you know, played out for a little while and I, I got, got the opportunity to, to get some of those types of gigs. And I, yeah. I actually like, I had a really hard time not, um, not taking it all constructive. That was actually like really difficult. It was like, you know, cause what, then what ended up happening to the band that I was in is we ended up playing, the same old shit you know what i mean like it was just really it was like a we ended up it was boring and and not very fun and we ended up booking more but we also were it was like it's like took all the fun out of it it's like so what's the point were you getting um, bad feedback about some material that you wanted to do or what was it well, like? it, was, well it was more like um like for, for me back then it would be like um you know people being like i want to hear this song and then oh. i would be like oh great yeah let me let me put that in the repertoire right and then you know, the next week it was like more of this, more of this. And then eventually we became like uh, playing 12 bar, you know, everything was 12 bar and it was just, it was just the same old shit all the, you know, every yeah. single night it was, we were always playing Leonard Skinner and, and uh, you know, I don't know, which is, you know, it's, it's great music. It's no big deal. Like I, I love playing those jams, no big deal, but also we wanted to play other shit sometimes, you know? And I, and it was like knowing when you're right or when, or when, when the juice isn't worth the squeeze, like when should you, you know, let people kind of, give you that feedback and when not to is, is I think a, a definitely like a, a skill you have to learn. Oh yeah, dude, you absolutely, absolutely. The, and, and you have to have boundaries, man. You have to have boundaries when it comes to feedback. You can't let clients run you over. And that's one thing I've learned as a creative professional. Um, you know, the owner of my company and I, he's a great guy and we work pretty closely together on a lot of things. We, we recently collaborated on launching a new headshot service. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we, we rented a studio space and I've been taking corporate headshots for people. And, you know, there was one yeah. particular client that came in 45 minutes late. This client was freaking drunk, man, on vodka. And it was just like a total mess, a total train wreck. And uh, she wanted me to, I took her shots. I heavily edited them. The, I mean, you know, right. to the best of my ability without actually like, really changing completely how she looks and she sent a complaint not a complaint but she just sent back you know an email and said uh that she wanted it to look more like this and dude i kid you not she ran her image through like a freaking snapchat filter and made her look like a supermodel or something and i was like yeah. and i had it that that was a perfect example where i was like you know what no that that's not that's yeah. not the that's not the kind of feedback that's going to make me change my workflow because that's not what we want to do ethically. We don't want to. I'm not going to change somebody's the shape of their eyes and their face and make them lose forty pounds. Like, yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. To me, that's unethical. And so we had to kind of come up with a written list of of things we are willing to do and willing not to do. So it's like, yeah, yeah you have to do the same thing in any creative field. I feel like you have to have your boundaries.
Expectations, man. Expectations. That's uh, in the sales process. It's something that I'm, um, I'm, uh, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm uh, practicing still, you know, but uh, trying to like make sure those kinds of things are, are hammered out before um, you begin the creative process and make sure those lines are drawn and, and, and all that is, is, again, I'm not awesome at it, but I, I do think it's, uh, that is, that's the trick. So I, I have another question for you um, in this, in this section that is uh when, when, so, and I, and I imagine it's happening a lot. When, when was there like a, a band? When was there a time where you performed? When was there a video that like no one ever saw? Um, how, you know, how often do, does your, does your work not get the reach that it should? Um, well, you know, funny enough with social media, a lot of my photography and videography, I feel like it gets out there pretty well. Um, it's, it's, easy for people to click on a video link and check it out. Even if they only watch 30 seconds of it, you know, it's still eyeballs on your work. Um, even if they just scroll through a photo for two, three seconds and hit a like on Instagram, it's still eyeballs on your work. And I've found that uh, because my wife, a lot of my media creation, um, especially my personal projects uh, and video projects um, have been with my wife. Um, you know, people watch videos of her and they, they think they're good. So I haven't had much of an issue with reach and engagement and just viewership of my content on that end. However, with music, dude, yeah. Oh geez. I I've got, dude, here's, here's a, well, here's a perfect example. Uh, in October, there was a blink 182 tribute from LA area that flew over to central Florida and they booked a little four day mini Florida tour. And we, uh, played all four dates with them. Yeah. And, uh, so we played, you know, hard rock Tampa and then we played, I don't know, Fort Pierce or something the next day. And then we went down to Miami and then finished in Orlando. And, uh, you know, the, the hard rock in Orlando show, were not very crazy or well attended. The Miami and Fort Pierce show were freaking awesome crowds, dancing people. So yes. it's like, dude, but here's the kicker, right? By the end of the little mini tour, uh, we had been breaking in a new guitar player over the last year. And man, by the, by the fourth gig in a row, he was on fire. The band was killing it. We were tight. You know, it's like, I mean, you're dude, you yeah. play music. Absolutely. You know what it's man. like Absolutely. after, if you, if you hit the same stuff over and over, you get really tight on it. And, uh, the fourth night we were in our hometown. Granted, it was a Sunday night. We we're in our hometown. We're playing our show. Everybody's tight. I thought the band was just great, man. I was so happy with everyone's performance. But by the time we went on, uh, because it was a Sunday and it, it, there was like 20 people there. And I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. sometimes, it, sometimes, dude, in this field, whether it be a video that flops or a show that flops or yeah. a photograph that doesn't get the engagement you want or whatever sometimes or even just a project that doesn't go the way you want it you 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 really like you think to yourself why what's the point you know but yeah. I, I remember uh, when i was playing i like i i got this like one of my first times getting paid uh for for to play music and i was so thrilled but i had to go out of my hometown this get this place was uh you know i don't know 45 minutes north or whatever and um and i didn't have the wherewithal to like promote i didn't even you know uh hilariously or ironically i didn't market myself very well back then and um when what when was this out of curiosity this was uh this would be like when i was in new england so it was, i was in springfield mass and we got a, a gig up at this place called um black black hole 
black hole something um and black moon black moon music lounge and um and it was like 45 minutes north and and for the first show i didn't i didn't tell anyone because my imagination was that you know which is you know again so naive but i thought oh well they're they already have people that go to the show every every week and you know i didn't understand that like i have to i i do that <laughs> you know i didn't know that yet and um yeah. and so i went up there and 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 me and i was playing this with this guy jeremy and uh, me and jeremy we practiced like a ton and and it was maybe one of the best time, like even we we performed together quite a few more times out of that but i think it was one of the better performances we you know, we really practiced. We weren't drinking or anything because we were like pretty nervous, you know. So we, we had a couple of shots before the show. That was it. You know, we weren't like um, we weren't we were, we were ner too nervous to um, to ruin it with alcohol. We wanted to do good, you know, and um, and it was like, um, it, you know, no one was there. There was no one there. <laughs> it was like literally no one, like like four people and including the bartender and the guy in the door. And yeah, um, I know the feeling. Yeah, we just we just crushed it, man. We totally crushed it, though. And uh, and and that, but I, that was so such a weird kind of surreal feeling to rock a house for two people. Oh, dude, I know we've done it so many times in beautiful big rooms, dude. I mean, this has happened to me countless times. Just like you're saying, it's like yeah. you're killing it. You're the band's well rehearsed, dude. We played a room like a few years ago, a couple years ago in South Florida. Beautiful theater, great audio engineer. Uh, excellent stage the band was well rehearsed we were tight and yeah there was like 20 people there we even had a photographer come out and like the photographer was like standing behind like three people to make it seem like there was a crowd like yeah it was it was like it was sad and and even the the, the manager the owner of the venue came he's like oh my god guys that was an amazing show i'm so sorry there's nobody here I'm like you didn't promote it bro like what do you yeah. expect <laughs> yeah 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 exactly that's what happens yeah yeah for sure. All right. Well, so I got another one for you um, that um, in this section, in the meat here, um, I wanted to know. Um, so, like, have you because you're a teacher um, or, you know, you did you did teach for so long. Like, how do you how do you try to like like do you ever come across someone who doesn't have creativity? Like, how do you get creative? How do you get people to be more creative? Is it, do you have any tricks for that? Yeah, you know, I've been running into this problem lately um, as a videographer because when I started producing music videos for my band, uh, you know, and, and taking the hello, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Yeah. Okay, sorry, I heard a noise. Uh, when I when I started to kind of take the production aspect of videography more seriously and getting better at it, I started to have other bands ask me. Um, Sure. You know, like, oh, hey, will you do our video? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. What, you, do you have any ideas for a video? And sometimes they had a couple, but like, and so my wife and I started to kind of, because her and I work a lot together on video. She, um, I handle a lot of the technical aspects of the video and she'll help me with like the, the creative decisions and like shot design sure. ideas and all that kind of stuff. Um, and so we, we kind of started like thinking like, all right, if we're going to help people do this, and charge them money for it, which I've been able to charge, you know, uh, for them. Like, what are we, how, how are we going to approach, you know, how are we going to help them kind of come up with these ideas? And so we've had to kind of cultivate questions to ask them about, you know, sure. like, uh, what, what do they, what do they want to get out of their video? What do yeah. they want to just do a performance video or do they want it to have a storyline? How many, 
locations that they want? Do we want to weave this into it? Do we want to weave that into it? And so it's like you almost, a lot of people have an idea, but they don't really understand how to make that idea happen. And they also, a lot of times, don't understand the budget limitations and the production yeah. limitations and the logistics sure. of it all. So yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, in a creative field, uh, if you're going to be working with others as a professional creator, uh, it's your job to kind of probe them the best you can with questions that pertain to the creative project at hand and use the breadcrumbs they give you and cultivate those breadcrumbs into an idea that then you have to turn around and sell them on. Like you have to sell them on that idea. Like, oh, so this is what you want, right? And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah just like that. And then kind of kind of cultivate it from there. Man, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's, um, yeah, it's, it, that's a, it's, it's uh, easier said than done. I, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so sometimes it's, it can be uh, definitely um, difficult to, 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 you know, draw that out of people for sure. And some people oh, yeah. seem to like, not, I, I find, um, you know, they're, they're kind of like, you mentioned the, the logistics and, um, you know, it's like sometimes in their mind, the idea it hasn't come to full life yet, you know, maybe, or, or, you know, it's just kind of like a piece of an idea and they don't, they're not even really sure what they like about stuff, you know, a lot of times. And so that, that, that becomes uh, definitely difficult. Um, something you really have to practice that for sure. I know it I is, it is dude. And sometimes you have to know when to draw the line. There was a, a recent person that that's a personal friend, but also a colleague that we've worked for many years together on musical projects and different productions and shows and, uh, you know, she wanted help putting a show together and, and for essentially for me to be the musical director on it. And I, she just didn't have a fully formed idea. And as time yeah. got closer and closer and closer, I started to realize, man, if I have to direct her too much on this and I'm going to use too much of my creative energy and it's going to drain everything else that I've got going on right now. So I had to turn it down. So it's like, it goes back to those boundaries we talked about earlier. Like you have to say, okay, you know what? come back to me when you're ready kind of a thing, you know? Yeah. 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 There's only so much of, uh, of, of a creative brain, like, you know, the creative, uh, when you're exercising a creative muscle, you know, that your creative muscle, I think you need, it needs a break just like any other muscle in a lot of ways. You got to be able to like, I don't know, for me, like I, I, um, I, I like to spend a long, a lot of time alone. Like I sit in my garden or, or I just like, I don't talk to anyone. Uh, sometimes I'll go like a couple of weeks, you know, where I'm just kind of like, I, I'm, you know, a little bit, less um out you know i i don't know uh outgoing so, so <laughs> sure. yeah. yeah yeah for sure now in conclusion right finally uh the conclusion the the, the final chapter here man are you cool. excited i'm i'm stoked man i've been looking forward to this the whole time yeah <laughs> the climax <laughs> I know you love a good climax. Yeah. It's got to be, it's got to, yeah, a, a good climax, edgy, yeah, you know, intense, absolutely. man. I, I'm on the edge of my seat over here. I am sure. I can tell. I can tell. I can tell. All right. So, um, so, you know, like I said, the, the intended audience is, um, is people that are, that are, uh, that are looking to take the leap. Um, I, I, my, I, my question for you is what do you advise? What was your advice for people that are like bartending? They're a host at a restaurant. They're, um, they're in a side station uh dicking around with their buddies you know but they want to yeah. do uh they want to have a cool job uh what do you uh what's your advice for them 
uh, give up as soon as you can and get a desk job. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is the be- that is the like the smart the smart move, right? <laughs> I mean, it is if you want to get like you know ahead in life faster for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, man. Um, God, that's a tough question, but really, dude, because yeah, you and I were like hustling in the serving industry and just doing dumb shit in side stations and going out and drinking and partying and whatever else for so many years. Um, but there comes a point in everybody's life where they kind of hit a crossroads where it's like, okay, am I going to just stay doing this and slinging drinks and food and, or, you know, whatever, being a valet guy or whatever it is. Uh, or am I going to pursue what it is I love to do? And the, the best piece of advice I have is, figure out how you can market what you do into a profitable venture, whether it be music, videography, photography. Um, and you know, there are, there are in every market, there is an avenue to make money doing something creative, but you're not, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta let go of the rock star dream. You know? Yeah. I mean, I see, I see it happen um, a lot. These, these guys are in their thirties right. now they're approaching 40 they all they want to do is write original music, perform it the way they want to with whoever they want, however they want. I'm like, that's cool. And you certainly can try that in your 20s or whatever. But man, you know, if you want to grow up and actually have like a job that you love and also, you know, a mortgage that you can pay and a yeah. home that you own and a right. grow wealth and you got to figure out a way to do to do it, you know, in a way that uh, that makes you money. Like, OK, like I love photography. My favorite thing in the world is taking pictures of like my wife or my family or like nature or things like that. Those are things that really like get me excited and happy. Um, when I go to work every day though, I don't do that for the most part. Um, I'm taking pictures of, you know, homes. Uh, a lot of them are very, very nice. I get to work in unbelievable properties cause I work for a really good, more high end <laughs> media company, but still dude, half of my day is spent taking pictures of empty bedrooms and bathrooms and, kitchens so is it creative yeah it is i get to use my camera i get to be creative i get to pick my shots my compositions my angles and stuff but uh you know it's not it's not the uh, apex of art you know it's not yeah yeah absolutely no and i'm I'm glad you i'm glad you said that and i'm glad you framed it that way because that is that is so um that 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 is always my advice i I mean i think i might have even actually given that advice to, to young people before is just to give up the, if you're going to give up anything, give up the idea that you're going to be a rock star specifically and just say, I want to be, I want to be fulfilled creatively. Yeah. And, and, and to me, that was a big, that was a big change in mindset for me. I mean, that's what led to, you know, my agency um, was certainly that change in mindset was saying like, you know what, like, you know, this isn't, what is, what is the end game here? You know, it's like, like yeah. what, how, where am I going to get, am I going to be doing like uh, getting paid in, in uh, $50 beer tabs, you know, for forever and then, and then having a day job or do I really want to try and figure like you said, figure out a way to turn this into a, like a real money-making profitable venture and that's, and, um, yeah, turn it into marketing. Yeah. And that's what you've done and you're able to, you know, run a business and have a family and pay your bills, presumably. Right. I mean, like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, dude. And I, and I, you know, I know that you're doing well. I mean, you're a smart, resourceful guy and, uh, but, and that's really the best advice you can give anybody, dude. You gotta, you, it's uh, being a creative person and being able to stay creative in your life 
and create a field or a career for yourself in that field yeah has a lot to do with acceptance you have to accept what is right for you to do to stay in that field and to make it viable on a day-to-day basis if you and then, can't and accept then you get that, you get opportunity to like flex i think like you know um sometimes and uh absolutely yeah. And, and I, I think, um, you know, my next, my next question is, is uh, like, what is your secret project? But I think this is a good segue because like secretly, you know, or that's, that's what I do is that like, if I'm working with an AC company or a roofing company, or I'm working with, you know, just like, it feels like the, the, the work is not as sexy as I wish it was. Like it, there's nothing saying I can't do what I want in my free time, you know, like have a cool, sexy project in my free time. I can do that. That's allowed. Right. Oh, dude. Absolutely, bro. Like, dude, last night. Okay, perfect example. I went and I, I worked. I, I had a business meeting in the morning and then I worked. Uh, I went and shot a luxury property in the afternoon. And then last night, um, we have access to this wonderful studio space. Um, it, my wife and I shot a music video. It wasn't for a client. It wasn't for anybody, but just us. We did it for pure fun. And it was for a, an audio track that I recorded and produced here at home with her singing. And, you know, it's just like a, like a punk ska version of a Christmas song. I'll send you a link when it's done. So it's like, and we did it just, and I, we hadn't done a video like that in a while because I've been so wrapped up in my company and growing our new services and, you know, and I had to sit there and I, and I, I dude, yesterday a billion things happened to the day that could have easily led me to just cancel. And I almost did at one point, I was like, literally soaking wet feet covered in mud we were running two hours behind because the craziest shit ever happened to me at work that afternoon on a shoot and i was just like i but you know what i knew and right now i'm exhausted because i only slept three hours because we shot so late because we started so late but dude i had to do it like i had to create something just for me that was for nobody but for me and for my wife and we did and it was a great thing and what's cool is being in a creative field where i'm not doing sexy projects, like you said, which is a perfect example of my job. Sometimes I get a sexy house or a cool, sexy profile to shoot, but most of the time it's like, yeah. you know, run the mill yeah. real estate shots. Um, totally. It, it, but it gives me the practice and the hours with my equipment, with my, with my skill set. to now when I do get to do the stuff just for me, I'm that much better at it. So yeah, yeah you could totally still do the sexy projects, and be better at those projects and have more fun doing them and be more efficient in your workflow and understand your own workflow better on a technical side, creative side. Um, if you're able to secure some kind of income doing what you love to do, even if it's not necessarily rock star life. Yeah. And, and for me, the, the relationship between um, like, like I, sometimes I, I forget to compare um the the job to what it would be like if I had a real job <laughs> is what I, I was describing as like a real job but like you know if I had to go back like as hard as this is it is so much less hard um or or hard is probably the wrong word because it's maybe harder in a lot of ways but it's it's um but you know more difficult or more challenging but in in, a, in the best way right um, but I know was, what you mean it was so difficult to like wake up and do something that I didn't like you know I don't want to like a lot of people love being a server and that's the great for them like i i'm you know if you love it then that's awesome and i'm sure we both we both know people that are lifers that are like just born for that but i oh, definitely yeah. wasn't you know like i knew i did not love this and i did not want to do it for forever oh yeah 
I know, dude. That's the thing. Like, yeah, and, and that's it. If if you manage your own expectations of what you want out of life in your field, and you accept what you can get to pay your bills, uh, then you don't have to wake up every morning going to a job that you honestly just don't give a shit about. Like, let's be honest. Like, yeah. do you truly care? You know how yeah. well a restaurant you're working at in the in the end. What what personal investment do you have other than show up? get your paycheck and go home. Like a lot of people have jobs like that and, and they're fine with it. I'm not okay with that. I have to, when I go to work, I have to be building something, even if it's, and, and, you know, even if it's just my own skill set in something, I've got to be, I've got to be working towards a goal. That's just the kind of guy I am. If I'm not working towards getting better at something, I'll just resort back to, you know, unhealthy behaviors that I am prone to from my past. So when I'm uh, when I'm talking to young friends uh, that are uh, considering this profession, or when I'm talking to people like that, one one th- phrase I or one question I get asked a lot is like, "How do I know when I'm ready to go? When I'm good enough at design, or when I'm good enough at video to get a job? Like, how do I know when I'm good enough when I'm practicing enough?" So I I, I want to ask you that if I'm a I'm a dishwasher right now and I'm considering entrepreneurship or 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 moving into my art in a in a bigger way. Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to quit my job, but you know, I want to, I want to, I want to dive deep. How do I know when I'm good enough? Well, there's two things that I always kind of tell myself and other people and what I used to tell my students at Full Sail. There's two aspects to that question. And you'll know in your heart and soul when you're comfortable enough with whatever it is you're doing that you can go out and do it and charge money. Like whether it be photography, videography, do you, do you have the right equipment? Do you, there, there's like the, uh, the objective side, if you will, do you have the right equipment? Do you understand how to use it properly? Uh, how much time have you invested in learning your gear and the tools that you need to be creative? How much, so there's that, right? There's like the, there's that aspect, you know, how comfortable are you just doing what it is that you do? You know, um, yeah. how much have you put into it? So there's that. Once you feel like you're at a level where you're comfortable enough with it and you've got those hours underneath, your belt, then, you know, you can, and the other way is how do I know if I'm good enough? Well, you, you don't really have to answer the other part as far as what you're actually doing. If your project or your work is good enough, because your, your, uh, your clients will answer that for you very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such a great, that's such a great point. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that, isn't that the truth? Uh, you'll find out because you'll, you'll, you'll uh, pretty quickly decide this isn't the right career for you probably. Yeah. And, and, you know, like, and that goes back to what we were saying earlier about confidence. It's like, you know, if you know that, you know, it's, if you know that you have enough of a skill set to do what you're doing on a professional level, then you do your best you can do. And they, and you go forth and you let the world decide if whatever your ideas are, are worth something or not. That sounds kind of harsh, but that's the, the, unfortunately the reality of the world. But, um, you know, there's also this thing that I, I, I see in my field all the time. And you got to be careful. I think one of the greatest strengths of any creative person uh, can, is one of the greatest strengths you can have as a creative person is to understand what you do not know. And that mm-hmm. to me is huge because I'm not mm-hmm. going to take a job 
or uh, any kind of a gig where I am going to go in uh, over my head or where, where, where I'm going to be in over my head. Like I, I, I know that I can shoot well on this type of camera and this type of scenario and in this type of format and deliver this type of content. Um, you know, but if somebody that was a more serious cinematographer contacted me and needed me to color correct a video, I know that that's not the kind of editing I could do because I don't understand color science as much as I wish I did, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Like yeah. that, that to me, understanding what you do not know is the difference between a professional and an amateur. And an amateur is going to think that, oh yeah, I can do that for you. Yeah. Let me do it right now. I'll try it. No, you know, a professional yeah. is going to know. Here's what I can do well. Here's what I can offer you. Unfortunately, I'm not well-versed in this, that, or the other, but somebody else, maybe you can refer to them, you know? So that yeah. to me is the difference between a pro and an amateur. Know what your limitations are. And that way you can del deliver realistic client expectations at a realistic price point. Yeah, man, that is a, that's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful kind of closing thought, I think, because um, I, I mean, we, I definitely, um, in the maturity of, of my agency, that's definitely been, uh, you know, when we, when we finally kind of like learned our lane, um, it was a, about, a, I guess, almost three years ago now, because the pandemic fast forwarded my life. I feel like just everything just, you know, I can't believe two years have passed almost. Um, yeah. But, but, uh, but, but um, just before that, or, you know, or that year before that, when we were still kind of like operating at full, we really started to kind of like, that was a big coming of age for us as we started to kind of recognize that like, that there's a huge space that, you know, in the services that we offer and, and we could just pick like one of them that we're good at. And then, and then we like, we remove all of the um, stress, you know, and, uh, and, and my, my, I call it team delight. Um, but like that, you know, that thing goes through the roof, that, that measure goes through the roof. My team's much happier because we're not ever like over our head and stressed out doing something that's impossible and creative people, like managing anxiety and stress is, is super important for creative people, I, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, we tend to have overactive brains. So where we can generate ideas on the fly and come up with all these great things to offer people, sometimes that, that same brain power can affect us in, in a negative way. And we overanalyze and we stress. And I mean, I'm, I, I suffer from that day to day yeah, we all do i mean i think almost literally every creative person i know um and and uh to, to some degree like they're not always in creative jobs even but i think there are a lot of people that approach you know accounting with a creative mind and um and they suffer with from that same kind of like like looking for ways to improve um and and kind of and look at things differently um you know in my mind maybe it's a loose definition of it but i i like i think of that as kind of creative thinking for sure at the same time oh yeah yeah I, agree, I would agree with that. All right, man. Well, that's a good place to close it up. Um, thank you so much for being on uh, being on the on the podcast. My lips to your ears. Do you want to promote anything right now? Do you want to tell anybody who who made it this far into the show? Like they must have really enjoyed you because it certainly wasn't me. <laughs> what what do they? What can you promote? Um, what can you promote? Um, I mean, really, honestly, the only kind of uh, the thing that I I. You know, I, the only project that I kind of promote on a public level, I do have some secret projects that we never really talked about, but I, I don't like to, I wouldn't talk about them publicly anyways. Uh, Good. Good. But, uh, it, you know, just my band, you know, my tribute band is something that I, I have a lot of fun with and I want to keep it going. And uh, so we're called Subliminal Doubt. And it's a no doubt Gwen Stefani tribute that my wife is, she's a Gwen Stefani impersonator, which is awesome. And, uh, and so, you know, if we have a YouTube channel, we post our music videos there. Um, 
So when we do personal stuff for ourselves, like what I was talking about, we did last night, we'll post it there. So, you know, uh, we're not trying to grow the channel or do anything with it. Like it's just fun and creative stuff. So yeah, just check it out. Yeah. You guys, uh, you guys, you're, um, yeah, I mean, just, you know, it's it's so wholesome, uh, you you, seeing you two create together. It's very much, uh, it's, it's really nice to to see that. And I, I think, uh, um, I don't know. I, I know I just said we were closing, but I, I love like the in a band, you have to kind of develop that relationship. So that, I think that's really beautiful. You two must that must be, you know, you're really making beautiful music together and symbolically uh, and literally. Right. Yeah, man, I'm very I'm very lucky. And and one last sentiment I can say on that note is if you're a creative person for. For, you know, God's sake, man try to find if you know if you're going to be in a relationship or spend time with people go around other creative people because one of the major reasons why i can do what i do is because of my wife she's a huge supporter of what i do and i'm a huge supporter of what she does and it's not always the most lucrative profession that we are in i i got extremely lucky finding a high-paying creative job in orlando it's like hitting a lottery but uh the way that i found mine but you know even without that she always would encourage me to do what i love to do i, I remember uh, we had a conversation a few years ago about me like potentially getting into some kind of elite, like a regulatory job where I can make six figures with a couple of certifications. And, you know, I was like thinking yeah. about it and flirting with the idea. And, and she asked me this question and she's like, well, she's like, can you bring a guitar to work? And I was like, what? No, it's like in an office or whatever. And she said, well, then why are we even considering this? Why are we even talking about it? And I'll, I'll always remember that. Cause I was like, Oh wow, this chick actually wants me to do what I love to do. And I just make us a bunch of money. So you know, yeah. find other people like you to be around. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm going to close no, it there. Thank you, man. Good luck we with your talk podcast, dude. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, I'll, I'll share it with you when it's done. Uh, thanks for being on, my man. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Love you, Jono. Talk soon. Love you too, buddy. See you. Well, I just want to wrap that up because Jonathan was a great guest. Um, and I just wanted to tie it up in a bow and say, man, check out Subliminal Doubt. Um, if you are um, in, in the uh, Central Florida area, you can probably find a show and actually catch them. But um, either way, check them out on the Internet because they're uh, a fantastic band. And, um, and you know, his wife is also uh, just a, a really fun person to follow. And, uh, and so just the two of them, I would uh, highly recommend checking them out. Thank you so much for John. Thank you so much for making it all the way to the end. Good job. Good job. Kudos to you. Hey, Ricky, this is your great aunt, Sheila. I thought it was a great show, but I really wish you would not swear so much. My God, you're always fucking swearing. Jesus fucking Christ. Rich, get the fuck out of the garage! Hello, Eric. This is your auntie. You know who I am. You've seen me just a few times, but I'm still your aunt. Your mom may not have spoken to me in 25 years, but that's okay. We still love you, and I will send you another birthday card with $5 in it. And don't spend it all in one place, little Eric. Don't forget to call your auntie at least once a week to check in on me. I'm not crazy, but I do love you. Goodbye.